With all of the news about the coronavirus being spread around, a lot of people are curious about the immune system and how the immune system is acting to protect them against this virus or working to fight this virus. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially since like some people seem to be so susceptible to it and other people are asymptomatic carriers, I bet a lot of people are wondering what they can do to like boost their immune system right now. One of the things we're going to cover today is kind of looking at cancer in terms of the immune system, just because when most people think of the immune system, they think of it trying to fight off cancer cells and so that people can go into remission. At least when I entered grad school, one of the strongest desires of science was to find a cure for cancer. And you hear people talk about this all the time, wondering, when are we going to find the cure And people ask why one hasn't been found yet. But a lot of the truth lies in how different cancers are and how your immune system responds to different cancers uh, just because of how they act. I I just want to hop in there. Like, definitely cancer research is like why I got interested in science to start with at all. Wanting to do cancer research because my dad had had cancer. Yeah, I had a friend when I was younger who died of cancer. That was a big uh, catalyst for me wanting to come to grad school, study science, and I thought I wanted to do cancer research. If you look at a breast cancer, for example, that is vastly different from a brain cancer in the way that it spreads or metastasizes, just in the way that cancer grows, and even what sort of treatments it will respond to. And even the prognosis for the patients, too, Um, like pancreatic cancer has a very poor prognosis compared to other cancers Mm -hmm. like breast cancer. Um, So this variability in cancer makes it really difficult to find one thing that's going to cure every type of cancer. So, however, a lot of cancer research is focused on the immune system and harnessing the immune system to recognize the cancer cells because that's something that's common to all of them. Yeah, the thought is if the immune system can recognize cancer cells and recognize that they're different from normal cells, then they can act on the cancer cells and kill them. So we've talked about the immune system in several podcasts, but just as a reminder, the immune system is composed of various white blood cells that all have specific jobs to do. You've probably heard of T cells, which are a type of white blood cell, which can be further subdivided into cytotoxic T cells, helper T cells, and regulatory T cells. So cytotoxic T cells, if we break down the word cytotoxic, Cyto means cell and toxic means toxic. So these cytotoxic T cells recognize infected cells or foreign cells and then kill them. Helper T cells act more as recognizers of foreign cells and they can then kind of call the cytotoxic T cells over and say, hey, take care of this guy. Regulatory T cells are pretty different from both cytotoxic and helper T cells in that they actually act to shut down the immune system when it's not needed anymore. It's not good for your body to have an immune response all the time. You can imagine this would be a bad thing. Um, You might think that it helps you not to get sick, but in reality, your body is going under a lot of stress when your immune system is active. So people with autoimmune diseases, for example, have a loss of these regulatory T cells, and this causes their immune system to be active all the time, just wreaking havoc on their body. Ah, that just sounds absolutely horrible. But it's yeah, the immune system is such a double-edged sword. <laughs> really is, yeah. Like it can turn on you, even though it's you need it in order to survive. 
But as you can imagine, the immune system is really important in the fight against cancer. Cancer actually has several mechanisms to go undetected by the immune system because it knows that once the immune system is involved, it's much more of a fight. So what can cancer do to avoid the immune system? Scientists have come up with what they call the hallmarks of cancer. Uh, Initially, there were eight of these hallmarks, so saying different characteristics of cancer that makes it cancer, like being able to grow really quickly, uh, not being able to be shut down by the immune system. There's eight of these hallmarks. I think they've added four more recently. This is such a blast from the past because one of the hallmarks of cancer is that they're aneuploid. And this was like the first research that I ever did uh, was on aneuploid cells. So aneuploidy means that um, all human cells have the 46 chromosomes, but aneuploid cells will have a different number of chromosomes. So their genome isn't stable. They've added DNA or they've lost DNA. Yeah, I remember I took a cancer class in college and we went over the the eight hallmarks of cancer and it was just fascinating. But one of these hallmarks that we're kind of going to talk about today is to reprogram energy metabolism. So this is just science jargon for changing the way our body produces energy. So you've probably gotten this feel in middle school or high school, but all of our body needs energy to function. And this energy comes in the form of food, which is broken down into carbohydrates, protein, and fats to produce ATP or adenosine triphosphate. And adenosine triphosphate is basically the currency of energy in the cell. The cell uh, uses up this ATP in order to do all these cellular processes. So food is actually broken down in a complex manner called glycolysis that most of us had to memorize the steps for when we took biochemistry in college. Yeah, I definitely don't remember any of that. (laughs) (laughs) Critical for life, but... um. Yes. There was recently I came across a molecule and I was like, that molecule sounds familiar. I think it's part of the glycolysis Like G6P or something. (laughs) I think it was alpha-ketoglutarate. I thought, okay, I remember this. I was pretty proud. But, I mean, yeah, I don't really remember the specific reactions, but I the concepts have stuck with me, and I think that was kind of the point of us memorizing all of these steps. Basically, there are two ways food can be broken down into ATP. Glycolysis is the slow process of breaking down glucose, which is a sugar and comes from carbohydrates. It breaks down glucose to produce only two molecules of ATP versus the uh, more canonical way of breaking down food which produces 16 molecules of ATP so a huge difference in the amount of energy you produce so I'm assuming cancer is greedy and just wants to make as much ATP as possible so they would use respiration right you would think I mean I if I was a cancer cell I'd think okay I can put in less energy and get more energy at the end but in reality cancer most often uses the least efficient ATP generating pathway for two reasons. The first is that cancer can actually hijack glycolysis to produce ATP much faster than normal cells. So if a normal cell could only produce two molecules of ATP say in 30 minutes, I don't know what the exact time is, cancer could maybe speed up those reactions and produce three or four times as much as that. But second, using glycolysis leads to less of an immune response. It's unclear exactly how this happens, but it seems like killer T-cells aren't as effective against tumors that use a high amount of glycolysis. But this is a very active area of research, and we have a few articles about this in the show notes. But when I went and read this primary literature on trying to correlate glycolysis usage with the ability of T-cells to 
kill cancer cells, a lot of the research is super interesting, but at the end when they're discussing the results, they're kind of saying, we don't know exactly how this works, but this is what seems to be happening. Interesting. So with all that in mind um, and being a former proponent of the keto diet, um, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't people not really want to eat so much sugar because um, you could starve the tumor in a way and, and not give it its energy source? People often think this, and I was in this camp for a while too, but I remember, I think we did a YouTube video about cancer and energy metabolism back a while back. And this is actually not really true. So if you think about the foods you eat, all of the carbohydrates you eat are broken down into glucose. Any carbohydrate, whether that's white bread, brown rice, banana, all of that is broken down into the same thing. Some of those carbohydrates can be distinguished, uh, say for white bread, it's more of a, what we call a simple carbohydrate. So your body works through it more quickly. Whereas a complex carbohydrate, like in brown rice or uh, oatmeal, for example, that takes longer for your body to break down. But what's the most important thing about glucose is our brain needs a lot of it. I think I don't remember the statistics, but it's a significant amount of glucose and carbohydrates that our brain needs every day just in order to function. So if you cut down on all your carbohydrates, that could have a detrimental effect in the long term on on your brain function. But I know in the case of keto, people cut down to, I think, 5% carbohydrates. So Yeah, it's and they very do have, low. Yeah. So I don't... Sometimes I can't rationalize, well, they can do that in keto and they're fine, but then it's not recommended to do this in the case of cancer. Yeah, I feel like I don't know enough about food metabolism to fully understand it. Like, is there another source of glucose? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, may, I guess maybe it's probably pulling from your stores Yeah, um, in your body would be my guess at that point, because that's also why people lose so much weight on keto. Maybe we should do another episode on keto. <laughs> <laughs> That would yeah, that would be interesting, or even just food metabolism in general. I mean, I think what, it's so what interesting. I think is going to be interesting is like when um, I mean, I know the keto diet has been around for a long time, but now that it's become popularized, like it'll be interesting to see now that more people are on it, what are the effects, whether positive or negative, on them. For sure, yeah. Because I mean, when we did our keto episode, I think we were kind of when we had uh, Blade on on our YouTube. We were kind of like, okay, keto is not, it's great for certain populations, but not great for other populations. And just, I mean, you, you see the people doing keto who are eating their full fat butter and their <laughs> bacon and their cream cheese, <laughs> but then there are other people who do it in a way that's more sustainable and where you're still getting a lot of uh, nutrients from your food. Anyways, we digress a lot. So. <laughs> <laughs> so with all this talk about how important the immune system is in cancer, are there any current treatments um, that are designed to enhance your immune system? Yes, there's actually a really interesting treatment that won a Nobel Prize a few years ago, and it's centered around how the immune system recognizes foreign molecules. So as we talked about earlier, uh, T cells recognize the outer surface of other molecules. So CD4 T cells are the killer T cells that can help kill unknown cells in the body. So this therapy is called CAR-T, T cell therapy, and it's a way that researchers can engineer T cells to fight cancer. So how they do it is doctors can extract patients' T cells and they can add a receptor to the outside of these T cells 
called the chimeric antigen receptor, or CAR, which is where the CAR-T comes from. I've always wondered where the CAR comes from. (laughs) Chimeric antigen receptor. So this this receptor attaches to the outside of the cells, and basically it helps the the killer T-cells find the cancer cells. It's kind of like a little map to get them there. And kick them into overdrive. Get yes. It. <laughs> oh, ha, ha, ha. very nice. And they also add a, a T cell activation domain on this receptor, which can help these cells. Once they find the cancer cells, they can then activate the killer T cells to produce the chemicals needed to kill the cancer cells. So there's like this is like a whole dance of trying to work with all the different T cells, get them to work together, and find and kill the cancer cells. So while this technique is really promising, it does have a few limitations. Um, Mainly, it involves the human leukocyte antigen. So human leukocyte antigen is a T-cell receptor that regulates the immune system in humans. One of the blogs um, we read uh, in preparation for this episode, um, Personalis, described it as the flagpole waving the flag to notify the immune system of a particular antigen so that the immune system can figure out if the antigen is part of the human or if it's a foreign object. In humans, there are different forms of the human leukocyte antigen, which means that certain forms of this CAR-T therapy needs to be adapted differently for people with different human leukocyte antigens. I didn't do reading on how many different types of the human leukocyte antigens there are, but it seems like there's enough that it's a pain to try and design a new therapy every time you come across a new one. Yeah, I mean, isn't this involved in, like, bone marrow transplants, like, based on your HLA type? I think it is, because I know I know that's a big issue if you have rejection of a bone marrow transplant. Like, there's not much you can do after that. And maybe also other cells, like, like platelets, too, I think. Anyways, um, currently there are two types of CAR-T therapies. So one takes immune cells from the patient engineers those cells to add that CAR receptor and then puts them back into the patient. This type of therapy is really useful because you don't have to worry about those um, human leukocyte antigens or HLAs since the T cells are from the same person. However, as you can imagine, this type of personalized work is very expensive. And besides being expensive, you're designing a new therapy for every single person, which takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. And especially if someone has cancer when they're getting this done, they may not have a lot of T-cells to start with because their T-cells are either dying or being used up to kill the cancer. The other type of CAR-T therapy is human leukocyte antigen independent, meaning that the human leukocyte antigen doesn't match between the donor and the patient. Wait, won't that also cause an issue with the immune system? Um, Kind of like we were talking about blood donations, like infusing a person with type B blood with type A blood would be bad. Yeah, so this is this is one of the major challenges in the field. It'd be great to design a CAR-T treatment that worked for everyone, but the human leukocyte antigen makes that very difficult. So what can we do to overcome this? So scientists have tried to approach this problem using our handy-dandy friend CRISPR. Mm. Uh, and just a reminder, CRISPR can basically, it's the Swiss army knife of the genome. You can cut genes, you can turn off genes, turn on genes. You can do a lot with CRISPR. But what they use is to use CRISPR to disrupt the normal T-cell receptors in the body and then put in a homing signal that targeted lymphoma specifically. 
And they saw that by inactivating these normal T-cell receptors, which would mean, which would mess with the human leukocyte antigen, they could direct the cells towards lymphoma cancer cells and stop the cancer cells from growing. There have also been other groups of researchers who have looked at other T-cell receptors since the paper we talked about just focused on lymphomas specifically. The other T-cell receptor that people have looked at is uh, called MR1. And this receptor they found is the same in all humans and doesn't have the issue of variance, which is seen with the human leukocyte antigen. So far, they've only tested this therapy in human cells in the lab, uh, but they have seen that the MR1 T cells killed several different tumor cell lines, including lung, breast, and prostate, among others. They've also done some work in mice, and they showed that the mice lived longer um, and had smaller tumors when they were treated with these MR1 T cells. So as of now, the FDA has only approved the CAR T T cells used for lymphomas, kind of that first study we mentioned. But all the immunologists are learning about T cell receptors right now will help us to hopefully one day be able to target specific cancers since each cancer looks so different from each other. And hopefully we can start making some of these therapies cheaper so researchers can do more research, find easier ways to make these therapies work. I mean, with eight hallmarks, one of them had to work, right? <laughs> you would think, but cancer is pretty <laughs> smart. 